Well, church, uh, it is uh, a joy to be together this Sunday and um, this month as we look to celebrating the birth of Christ. And uh, I want to remind all of you that uh, we're one week away. If you need a reminding, I don't think anybody needs reminding. We are one week away from Christmas Eve and uh, we are gonna gather together here uh, to celebrate the birth of Christ on uh, December 24th in the morning. We'll be here next Sunday uh, at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. Four services, and there will not be any children's ministry. Uh, our kids are being filmed, and there should be a video of them uh, in the service to, uh, to, um, to see some of them. But all the kids will be with us here. Uh, just a reminder to uh, plan ahead, get here early, be patient. I can imagine, look at how full the church is today. I imagine even with extra services that there will be many of us coming. Uh, we want to all, it's worth it. And so as Pastor Adrian last week challenged us to be, be patient with those in the parking team, right? Especially on Jesus' birthday, let's be patient uh, and kind and we will all find a seat and make room for one another uh, as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Invite friends, invite family. Uh, it's a special moment for us to gather as a church. Also, uh, wanted to share an update that our ministry partner, Regalos de Amor, uh, who we are uh, support in Nuevo Laredo, uh, they have 2,700 gifts uh, this year to pass out, and they've already given 2,000 of those out to children in Nuevo Laredo. And uh, uh, their ministry is making a huge impact. And so know that your, uh, your gifts towards this church, uh, your giving of those gifts is making a huge impact. And uh, we financially support them as a ministry. I know many of us also brought gifts in to support them. And uh, they were featured in the news in Nuevo Laredo. And they're, they're making an impact uh, in our sister city. And if you keep them in prayer, they still have 700 gifts to pass out uh, this week. So... Uh, they'll be busy passing those uh, gifts out to children, uh, but it's just a wonderful update that we have. Well, I've never met you before. Uh, my name's uh, Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And uh, as I was thinking about uh, the message today, and we're gonna get to that in a minute, you know, I, I was processing and thinking about how all of us in our life have certain things that we order our life around, certain uh passions or interests that we tend to think about more than others. So many of us, each unique in God's eyes, and every one of us just a little bit different. You know, one of those things as an example for my wife is my wife is very uh, passionate or thoughtful about food. Uh, she reads labels. Uh, she knows, you know, when something has MSG in it or food colorings or artificial flavors or natural flavors. And, you know, I've seen shows of how they're processing these natural flavors they put in about everything. Go to HEB. You'll, you'll get freaked out. Read anything. It says natural flavors. And then you watch and you see uh, this process and you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's actually a little concerning. That's in the food I'm about to eat. And so she's very thoughtful about uh, the food that we eat, and every day you're with her, you're aware of this because she pays attention. You know, one of my favorite things to eat is Doritos. I love Doritos, and they check every box that's bad. There's not a single box they check that's good. I mean, they do have corn in them. That's a good thing. And so when I take my boys and me to the store, I'll try to throw that bag of Cool Ranch Doritos in the cart, and my son's like, Dad, those are disgusting. We don't eat those. And I'm like, oh, I think they're kind of good. Um, so I have to eat them in secrecy. Um, 
or just try to eat a little less to be a better example to my boys. You know, one of my interests is um, our lawn and plants and gardening. I, I love it. I love this time of year I plant ryegrass and it grows in the yard. And, and because I'm so interested in our landscaping and enjoy doing it, it's relaxing to me, a good hobby. You know, you know all these details. And I know if the grass gets too thick, uh, that ryegrass is going to be so hard to mow. So when it's raining like it did a little bit this week, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. When do I need to mow it before it becomes a mess? And uh, in the summer, I'm all stressed out in July because every plant's probably about to die. And I'm trying to water everything every single day, trying to keep it alive, right? And there's you know, it may sound weird, but there's probably not a day that does not go by that I don't think about the plants that are growing at our house or our lawn because it's something I'm very interested in. What about you? I can, I'm just going to give a, a few examples. I know some of you guys, your pets, there's probably a day that does not go by. You're thinking about caring for your pet and how's your pet doing. Some of us, it's fitness. That time of the day when we get to the gym is a re religious time to us. If we miss it, our whole, you know, our whole day gets thrown off and we think about uh, our fitness and our, and our health. For others, it's uh, orienting our days around our friends and the time to connect with friends or uh, message friends, uh, those connections. For other of us, it's the family time. Uh, or how we present ourselves, you know, being able to shop for the right clothes, for the right occasion, uh, or looking appropriate. Uh, some of us, it's finances and thinking about investing money and growing money and, um, you know, or being in debt. You know, and we're thinking about that every single day. Uh, but I'm just giving you a few examples, but I'm sure there, there are things that, you know, while we all think about these things, there may be one or two things that you think about and you're more interested in than somebody else. Uh, these interests that makes us who we are. Uh, you know, another thing we have besides our passions or our interests is our values. Uh, you know, some values for me, I really value taking the time to understand things, uh, asking a lot of questions. I think when you do that, you see a really full picture of something. I also really value things being done complete or right, which is actually a curse because no matter what I finish, it's never done because I can always make it better. I always see something, you know, I laid a bunch of uh, brick in our patio in this little garden I'm working on. I could see, oh, gotta do that again. Gotta pick it up. It's not flat, right? Um, and, and maybe you have that curse as well. Uh, you know, another illustration, I, I spent a lot of time with, with Pastor Eddie. Uh, he is timely. I, I've been around him for like 20 years. I cannot think of a single time in 20 years he's ever been late anywhere. Uh, or he's also very hardworking. He puts, his, he puts whatever, his, himself completely into the things that he's doing. Uh, something else that you pick up being around him often, uh, which actually surprises me for someone that works so hard and is always on time, is he's extremely flexible and gracious with others. It's, you know, very natural. And I, and I give all these illustrations of things that we have that are interests to us or passions or values, and we all have them. Think about some of your values right now. If someone was around you, what are some of your traits? And of course, I shared good traits about, you know, uh, myself. I won't throw myself under the bus right now, but we, we all have bad traits too, right? Uh, maybe mine's Doritos. But uh, we all have good traits, bad traits. We all have all these characteristics that make us who we are. Think about some of what anybody who spent time with you, they would start to pick up on, oh, this is just important to that person. 
And if you're around someone with those interests, don't you learn more about those things? You know, if you were around me, you could talk about landscaping and grasses and people are like, how do you know all this? <laughs> it's just what I like, you know? Or if somebody's traits, their positive attributes, you would start to want to honor those things, you know? I try to be on time when I'm around Eddie because I know, you know, he values that. It's just a way to respect somebody else. You, you know the way the people you live with are and you try to honor them because these are their interests or their values. Well, we've been in this series this month where we're learning about the gifts that were presented to baby Jesus, that were presented to his parents. And one of the gifts was gold. And gold symbolized Jesus's royalty. Jesus being a king. And Jesus being a king, you know, what type of king is he? Because anybody can rule in lots of different ways, but what type of king is Jesus? And what are the things that Jesus as a person, as a king, that he values, that make him who he is? And so this morning, what I want to invite us to do is, if you Flip back to your interests, your tendencies. A lot of those things work for you. You know, your, your traits, your character. It makes you who you are, and it's maybe helped you as a parent or in your career or in your life, these attributes that you have. But I promise you that no matter how positive any of these interests are in your life or your attributes, we're all left with a little bit of dissatisfaction. We're all left with a little bit of problem. We all have this common struggle. None of us approach our family, our, uh, our church, our work, and it's effortless. Or it gives complete meaning to us. We're all left a little bit empty. But I wanna invite us to look at the interests, the passions, the character of Jesus this morning because I know that it's gonna give us something that we all long for. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. These are the verses that we're using in this series. And let's read about this moment where the wise men present some gifts to Jesus. It says in Matthew 2, verse 10 and 11, when they saw, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh symbolized, like we saw last week, that Jesus was to be a sacrifice for us, the lamb of the world. Frankincense symbolized that Jesus was to be a priest, someone that intercedes between us as sinners and a holy, perfect God. And gold, again, symbolized that Jesus was to be and is a king, the king of all kings, royal and complete in his rule and his power. And it was customary in this ancient East time that when you came across somebody that was superior to you, that you would present them with some sort of gift. And all these things were of great worth and value that were given to Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And in fact, probably the journey that Jesus was about to take with his parents to Egypt was probably paid for by that gold that was presented to them. And they offered it because they saw that Jesus was superior. And so let's turn to the scriptures and there's so many places we could flip in our Bible to see about who Jesus is as a king, 
But we're gonna read just a few today to get an idea of who Jesus is as a king and what it means for how we should live in light of that or live according uh, to who he is. So uh, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven. And this is Isaiah writing 700 years before Jesus was born. And he says this, he says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we see 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet says, there's gonna be a king that is gonna come and of his kingship, there will be no end. I, I was really happy this week filling my car up with gas and shocked at the price. I was like, what is going on? This, that doesn't seem right. Is the car full? How is it so low? And then I remembered, oh, it must be an election year, right? There's gotta be some reason to this. this is why, how are all the gas prices so low all of a sudden? And you know, I started thinking then, all right, here we go. You know, is it gonna be Biden? Is it gonna be Trump? Is Hillary gonna throw her name in there? Are there others that are gonna, you know, we're gonna see. Someone's gonna run from each party and we're gonna end up voting for a new president. And no matter your feelings of how great you think one candidate is, I think we all can agree that it probably works for us in America that every president has a limit to their term. Some of us are more eager for someone to get out of office and other times we want them to stay longer. But there's no perfect president. And as blessed as we are as a country to have so many good things that we have in this country, and we probably should be thankful to God more for them instead of focusing all the problems, uh, we know that in this country that there's, it's, you know, we, let's just put it this way. We want to live like this forever. We see the problems. We see the need for solutions. This is why we just, you know, keep trying to work towards that better future. But we know that Jesus is the ultimate perfect ruler and praise God for that. It also says here that not only will his, king, his kingship last forever, but it says that it will be one of increasing peace, increasing peace in our relationships and it'll be one of perfect justice. If you've ever experienced any injustice in your life, and we all have, if you've ever experienced any trauma of some event in your life that happened to you or a loved one, we get a hunger for justice. We want justice to be served and we wanna fight for it. But the problem is that on this side of heaven, there will never be perfect justice. There will never be, there will always be injustice because of our brokenness, because of sin. And it says here that this king, Jesus, is one that rules with perfect justice. Imagine that. Imagine constant, you know, think again of our country, but think of a place where day by day, there's more peace. Every day, more peace. Imagine your home. If you go home to your house and every day, there's more peace and more peace and it gets better and it gets better. And perfect justice, never injustice. That is what his kingdom is like. And perfect righteousness. 
you know, one thing that I can fear sometimes as a sinful man is that my sin would impact my wife negatively or impact my boys negatively or impact uh, believers negatively or impact unbelievers negatively. It's somehow I could have a harmful impact on others because of my shortcoming, because of my sinfulness. And don't we all love it when you have a great coach or a great teacher or a great leader or someone that you're around and you just say, I just love to be around this person because of their strong character. And righteousness is character. It's doing what's right. You know, but we all know too that the older you get, you realize there is no perfect leader. There is no perfect parent. You know, kids at some time around sixth grade realize like, oh, mom and dad aren't perfect, you know? And what a wonderful feeling to know that with Jesus, you never wake up one day and go, oh, you know, he had this struggle or he's doing this wrong. No, he's perfectly righteous and right in all things. Daniel 7 says this, 600 years before Jesus' birth, says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, one which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So we see that Jesus in his kingdom is given dominion. He's given glory. And again, a kingdom that will not be destroyed. It will last forever. And what is the response to this type of a king? It says that they should serve him. Because he's perfect in every way as a king. To give life to serve him. A hundred years after Jesus' birth, this is six, we just read from 600 years before he was born. Now we're gonna read from Revelation, a hundred years after his birth, life, and death. And this is what it says in Revelation about Jesus as a king. It says, they, his enemies, will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. He is the king of all kings and people will rise up as enemies of him, but they will not be able to defeat his kingdom in the end because he is a king that will rule forever. So there's so many passages that talk about responding to this king in the New Testament. I want to read one of them, Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. So listen to these words, God's word to us about how to respond to such a king. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards, he's speaking to the church, and your Love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, church, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, Verse 19, 
and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And so again, we see that his rule is going to last forever and he has authority and power over all things. And what, what does he want? What does he want for us? That we would increasingly see the power that he has and turn to it, turn to him because he is sufficient for all things, the great treasure that we have in Christ, that we would strive to walk in that power, to walk in that righteousness through him in all ways, that we would testify to who he is as a good God and a good king. And John 18, 36 says this. <clears throat> Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. You know, one of the reasons, Christians, that we get so discouraged is we're living in this world. And God calls us to live in this world, but he calls us to not be of this world world. And there is a reminder of what type of king Jesus is. He's a king forever. And we need to take time to remember that our actions, you know, that movie Braveheart pumps us up, right? What we do echoes in eternity. But too often we really don't think about eternity. And really how we live right now, it will play on into eternity. God cares that every single soul hears the gospel of Jesus Christ because every soul that rejects him will be separated from him forever. But God offers gracious new life and hope and forgiveness to everybody that calls on the name of Jesus. And Jesus' kingdom is not just here. So when you go through injustice, remember that it is not just here. It is a kingdom that is now where we receive him and his power and his hope, but our hope is now and in the things to come because he is going to rule forever. It's not just of this world. Uh, Friday, my boys had the opportunity to meet the governor. It was a, an, an invitation. And so I have a picture here. And uh, we were invited to go to the, the governor's house. And they, they called him the general. They thought he was the general. Um, so we're, we, we had this opportunity. And I was telling them, you know, I've I'm my 40s, I've never met the, a governor before. And so uh, I'll tell him what, how exciting this was. And he was very kind to them. And, you know, as we're in the, his house, which is the Texas governor's mansion, uh, there's furniture and items where he lives right now that go back hundreds of years. And so we walked into a bedroom and, you know, well, here is, uh, you know, Sam Houston's bed. And then we walk over here and here's this lamp with, you know, delicate glass on it. And then here's this candlestick and here's, and all these things, some of them that are hundreds of years old and they're just right there. I mean, just, you know, and my boys being two and four are running and jumping. And, you know, of course I'm trying to like be calm with them, but also like, you know, don't, I hope you don't fall into that painting. That would, and, and so Christine and I were very aware of 
where we were. We were very aware of where we were with, you know, all these items and artifacts that have uh, value and meaning. And, 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 I, and I share this story because I was thinking, you know, I, we knew this was a special place, different than our home. We can be a little more relaxed than our home. And then I started thinking about, you know, where is God's home? What is, what is, what is of precious value in God's home, that you would be gentle, that you would be thoughtful, that you would be of care, that you would teach your kids, hey kids, be careful about this. Isn't it God's people? Isn't it, isn't it us sitting right next to each other? Aren't we the most, the greatest treasure to Jesus, why he came and gave his life? That we would be thoughtful about how we uh, interact with one another, how we treat one another, what we speak to one another. And so as we think about how good Jesus is the King, church, it can bring us a hope that we can never find in our own values because they fall short as good as they may be. And we have an opportunity to worship Him this season as the King of Kings. And so what does it look like to give Him the greatest gift? Well, we know Jesus is the King of all kings, a perfect King. And to order our lives around His interests, uh, you know, we would value as a people being like Him in His character, in His fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, being full of love and joy and peace and patience. And how do we get those things? By abiding in His Word and then trying to live in it throughout the day. And we value making disciples. He said as a church, teach others what I have taught you. And not just through a sermon, but through our life and your home and the children's church. Teach others through your life what it means to know me and love one another as the church. Prioritize each other and how you interact with each other and how you give. Do you prioritize God's kingdom in your finances? Do you prioritize it in your time? That's, this is a way we can honor and live for the King. And so I wanna ask us a couple of questions as we conclude this morning. And I wanna share some of the greatest questions anybody ever shared with my life. I'll never forget these questions, speaking about family. And this is a great question for every dad out there. Asking ourselves, if you can, you know, as your kids grow up and you look at them one day and they're in their 20s or 30s, or maybe it takes them to their 40s to hopefully say yes to these questions. But these are the type of questions we would love for our kids to say yes to. That you can look your kids in the eye and ask them, do you know that I love you? And they would say yes. And do you know that I love your mom? And they would easily say, yes, I know you do. And then you could say, would you want one day with your wife and with your family what I have with your mom and with you guys? And they'll be able to say, you know what, I would. I would want something like that. And I ask those questions because there's no perfect family. There's no perfect husband. It is, it, is a, it is a struggle to strive for those things as a man, as a leader of a home. And I wanna ask us a little bit about our relationships this Christmas season coming upon us. Because again, the greatest gift that we can give to the King and response of who he is is how we love one another. And so husbands, how are you to your wife right now? 
God has made our wives different than us. They're more wired uh, for gentleness. Uh, you know, we laugh all the time at my home because it's three guys and my wife and we're so different. You know, sometimes she's just like, I need to go for a walk for a second, you know, to get out of this wrestling and all that. But, but she is, she's tender and she's gentle and she's thoughtful. And, and I'm trying to teach them to, to honor her in that way and for myself to be that way because it takes work. And women, uh, you know, we tend to, we know we're not the king, but we'd like to think we are women. And uh, we want to be the little king of our home. We want to be the leader of our home. And, you know, uh, we want to be treated with respect in the tone and the choice of words. You know, we, we know we haven't figured it all out. We know, you know, forgive me for saying in church, we know what an idiot we are. But, you know, you just don't have to make us feel that way. Right? And being thoughtful, no matter how we are, about how you speak to us. Being attentive in spouse, as spouses to one another's needs and interests. That's a way we can give a gift to Jesus. Parents, uh, meeting our kids on their level. My favorite dad activity is to watch a movie or football. My boys love to watch football with me. They love to watch movies. It's so easy. I turn the TV on, they sit there. It's great. It's so easy. But it takes a little more work to get on their level and do that Lego build with them. It takes a lot more patience and a lot more effort and are we meeting our kids' parents on their level to show them that we love them? Or teens, you know, I see all of you here and I see you as perfect. I really do. I'm not just making that up. But that's because I don't live with you. Your parents see you in your perfections and they know the other side. It's like every couple that I marry here in the church, I'm giving advice on fighting and I'm like, I can't even picture you guys ever fighting, you know, but I know reality right? And teenage years are filled with becoming independent. And so it's, you know, the normal way to show disrespect or not to be thankful. But teenagers, you can give the greatest gift, not just to your parents, but to Jesus in this season by being thankful for your parents' efforts and by trying to make a contribution, not just uh, focusing on yourself, but focusing on others and making a contribution into your family. And so church, I just want to leave us with this thought as we head into this week of celebration. How can we really celebrate the birth of Christ? It's not just the get-togethers. It's not the gifts. It's the way in which we love one another in our homes and in this home. And would people look at us and say, you know, for those that are not married, say, I, I would love to have a husband. Ladies would say, I would love to have a husband like that one day. Or young men would look at you, know, you mothers and you wives and say, I would love to have a wife like that. Or maybe parents would say, ah, teenagers, welcome to live in my house. They're great. You know, the way they serve and do the dishes and their attitude. May our church be so attractive in the way we treat one another at home and here that Jesus' name is among us. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word and how it constantly guides us. And we know, God, we don't need a reminder that we fall short. But God, you are so good and you will be good forever and ever and ever. And in light of that, Jesus, we ask that you would help us, that you would empower us to love the people in our life the way that you love us, the way that you're kind to us and gracious to us. And would you smile because of the way that we emulate you? Thank you for being our king. Thank you for coming to this world. We can't wait to come together next Sunday to celebrate. Pray these things in your name and everybody at Grace said, amen.